Knowledge humbles, ignorance boasts. This week we're talking about the Dunning-Kruger effect. He's Britt, I'm Chaz, and this is The Furious Curious. Now, Britain, the first Hello. rule, yes, the, first the first rule of Dunning-Kruger Club yes. is that you don't know you're a member of the Dunning-Kruger Club. That's and that was scary. David Dunning in an interview yes. with Vox very yes. recently. So what is the Dunning-Kruger effect, Brit? The Dunning-Kruger effect. So Dunning, he's pointed out that the very knowledge and skills necessary to be good at a task are the exact same qualities that a person needs to recognize that they're not good at a task. So if a person lacks those abilities, they remain not only bad at that task, but ignorant of their own ability. So it's not a disease. It's not a syndrome. It's not even a mental illness, but it is present in everybody to a, to a certain extent. And it's also been around for as, you know, as long as human cognition has been around. So though only recently has been studied, which is why I think now it's becoming kind of a crystallized topic. But like I said, this has been around as long as humans have been around. In fact, I was, I looked at even some ancient wisdom, Chaz, some Hebrew Ooh. literature, Ooh. Proverbs 21, 12 says, do you see a person wise in their own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than them. A fool. Or let's say Proverbs 26, 5. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. So this is this is a phenomenon, but it's been around since since humans have been around. And I think that's actually worth mentioning because when it did break through, and I think it's, I read an article where I think it's over 8,000 references or articles written about it online. It might be more than that by wow. now. but. I think why it, it struck a chord with people is it felt so universally relevant. Yeah. Uh, and, and the fact that, um, you know, as, as someone close to me would often say, and I won't name who they are, it, like, it is before the study, he would say, he is so dumb that he doesn't even know he's dumb. And yeah. I remember thinking, oh, well, that, that is a little bit of a catch-22, right? How, how does one mm-hmm. acquire the knowledge uh, and, and humility and self-awareness in this case to actually advance their own situation if they're a captive, uh, captive of their own ignorance. And, and I think that's actually worth mentioning because they often talk about this in, in the study that some people suffer this, they call it a dual burden or dual burden. Yeah. Not only do these people reach erroneous conclusions and make unfortunate choices, but their incompetence robs them of the metacognitive ability to realize it. Metacognitive is often called uh, thinking about thinking, right? So mm-hmm. it, it, it is a little bit, you're, you're painted into a corner if, if you suffer from this a bit. 
That totally makes sense. Actually, the very well mind writes this. They say this phenomenon is something. This this puts it kind of in more you know more kind of everyday terms. This phenomenon is something you have likely experienced in real life, perhaps around the dinner table at a yeah. holiday family gathering. Throughout the course of a meal, a member of your extended family begins uh, spouting off a topic at length, boldly proclaiming that they are correct and that everyone else's opinion is stupid, uninformed, or just plain wrong. It may be plainly evident to everybody in the room that this person has no idea what they're talking about, yet they rattle on and they're obvious to their own ignorance. So I think we've all kind of we've been we've we've all observed that and we've probably all have done that to a certain extent i as i was going through this Chaz, i was like oh my gosh is this whole podcast a manifestation of the dunning kruger effect <laughs> well no, no I, I mean I'm it's just, funny you mentioned that no, no I yeah mean, yeah absolutely but i also think there's a component of we are we don't claim to be experts in any of we this. don't that's true we ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. We, exactly. But we self, we also self-identify as neophytes or, or even like just lay people, lay persons in the in the space, right? So we yeah. are we are learning about things. So it, as you mentioned, we we ask them these dumb questions so we can hopefully for the hopeful edification of our audience. So we'll see right. how that pans out. But some people seem to like it thus far. Yes. But, um, you had you had some interesting. You, you mentioned the numbers here, and you said there was a peak, uh, not far off the ele- off the election. It was interesting, yeah. And you know, we'll just say that during the election, this is the election of uh, two, this is two thousand sixteen. I'm going to say, and the months after the presidential inauguration, interest in the Dunning Kruger effect surged, and it's kind of it kind of brought it into the more public lexicon. Um, so the Google searches for Dunning Kruger peaked in 2000 may of 2017 according to google trends but it has remained high since then so attention spent on this uh effect uh the wikipedia has skyrocketed since since 2015 so typically you and i talk about things that maybe have happened in the last few months that have that have kind of been catapulted into the public consciousness this has kind of been kind of catapulted into the stratosphere but then has kind of just stayed there so i just it was worth noting that you know i think you can you can draw your own conclusions about the inauguration and, and correlation or causation of why that would be a dunning kruger effect but that's what it was and that's where the that's where the search term really um became something super popular according to google trends yeah and and i think that's a really nice transition in, into the five reasons why because yeah uh, we can cherry pick some of you know the things that, that took place around that time, but also we can sort of observe culture and like what are right. the clues in culture that exist why yeah. this happens and and the number one in this case I'm calling a, a, a relatively new term yeah I didn't coin this but I, I thought this relates very appropriately to this is toxic positivity. Now mm-hmm. toxic positivity is a belief that no matter how dire or difficult a situation is people should maintain a positive mindset. Now, there's, there's many good uh, aspects of remaining stoic and, and positive and great, but there's also an, an, another element that's been uh, doing the rounds recently is this idea of imposter syndrome, as, as if it's mm-hmm. like horrible affliction that you shouldn't suffer. But it's like, at the same time, a lot of people don't know what they're doing in any situation, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I, I drive... Frequently, but I, I might. I'm probably not the best driver in the world, 
right? I, I you know, play ten. Like, there's a lot of different fields where I'm sure I'm below average in, and I think we shouldn't act like we are God's gift to the discipline when we're anything but a lot of the time. And I think any situation should, whether it's a child's mind, whether it's a healthy sense of paranoia, yeah. to actually approach something like, I probably don't know what I'm doing. Why don't I kick the tires on this a little harder to ensure that I'm giving myself the best chance of being pseudo-competent at it? Have you got any thoughts yeah. on this toxic positivity, Brit? You said childlike mindset is, 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 is exactly how I was thinking about that because I think I think it's a good practice. It's something in, in meditation, people, you know, it's a principle that you you try to have this, you know, it's a merit to have a childlike curiosity or a childlike approach. And, you know, different different religions and philosophies kind of uphold that as, as, as a great practice. And it's essentially a version of humility that uh, coming to things like a child is, is, is basically saying, coming to things with, with humility and a sense of, I don't necessarily know anything or I know very little. And that always seems to be that ancient wisdom seems to benefit because then, as we'll see in the later reasons why, when you come to that, then you are more conscious of actually how limited you know, and therefore you strive to actually be better versus thinking you're great and not actually striving to be better because you think you're already great. So, but but back to the pox, the toxic positivity, I totally resonate with that. I think a part of that too, for me is I think for our generation, the millennials, there's been this kind of like, Oh, if you're here, you know, you should be, you, you know, you're here because you're competent. And I know that's a politically correct thing to say. And, but I don't think it's always true. And, you know, we talk about millennial sl snowflake, right? But I do think like certain generations or cohorts of people have been kind of shielded from the realities of their abilities. And that doesn't mean like millennials are not talented or anything like that. But I think every, you know, everybody should accept criticism. Nobody's perfect, like you said. And I think when you're not afforded the opportunity to be told that and you're not afforded to then to respond to that and improve, it kind of creates this, this kind of feedback loop within yourself, which is kind of, that's what this effect is. And I remember, you know, just seeing that, for example, in, in, in advertising school, you know, people would come to this school thinking that they were great illustrators or great artists or whatever, and they were all kind of cut down to the stump. And for a lot of people that they just couldn't take that. It was like, no, I've been told I've been great my whole life. What do you mean that I'm not perfect? What do you mean that I'm not the best, the best thing in the world, God's gift to the world? What do you mean that I'm not, why, why would you criticize me? I can't handle that. So I think it's a generational thing. And the toxic positivity to me almost... It, we're almost too afraid to be direct, too afraid, especially in the West Coast, man, like this indirectness, like, yeah. no, there's never a direct criticism. You can never be direct. You can never say something that is kind of like a criticism because you're afraid people will take it as a personal thing versus yeah, yeah. looking at the merits of an idea in front of us. You and I are, are really good at that. Like, I think we're good at like, no, I think we could do this better. And when we say that to each other, it's not like, geez, Chess thinks I'm crap you know what what the heck <laughs> you know but i think i think our generation just doesn't necessarily have that and i think that's what i that's how i interpret toxic positivity yeah i i also think just that scenario you described in um in ad school i i, I mean a very well-known scenario is you know going back to the american idol days when you see the the open casting call 
or, you know, singers. And oh, right. people going in there and they think they're going to be the next Beyonce. And yeah, they yeah. just get shot down. And it's in many ways it's sort of weirdly exploitative because it's it's like playing on the spectacle. The producers of the show are, are playing on the spectacle of these people who have no talent, right? And, and they go, oh, they're going to be devastated and heartbroken. And I was like, okay, well, yeah, but it, it's not a snuff film of their suffering, you know? Like we shouldn't yeah. be like it, it would have been better if there was someone who actually gave it to them straight before they actually got on, you know, international TV and, and you know, showcase that they actually weren't that wonderful a singer. Anyway, we can talk about this all day long, but mm-hmm. I think the fact that we're in this culture of, you know, you can do it no matter who you are, you know, be upwardly aspirational, that's great. But, I mean, at the same time, it can be tempered with a degree of self-awareness, and I think that's the, sort of the missing piece. So um, Th- this is something I always talk about with my wife that positivity can only be real if it's grounded in reality. That's the way I've always kind of seen seen things. So yeah, anyway, no, I, I agree, but I, I I think that's a really actually a yeah. really nice segue into the next thing, which we're calling is um the next reason why the upside of delusion. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this always struck me. I, I think it sort of started when I. You know, whether you listen to Dion Sanders, and I have friends like this who became sort of successful athletes to a degree, and and, and just in business and in life, some people just have this weird, un, unshakable confidence, even when it's weirdly unwarranted. Yeah, and, and they just they think they're amazing, and and after a while, sometimes it can become a self fulfilling prophecy. So part of it is like uh, you go, well, hang on, but you weren't that good. Why did you think you were good? And it's like there is got there is a degree of well, if no one else believes in me, like, you know, I've, if I don't believe in myself, no one else is going to believe in me. And, and if I just focus on the positivity, even though I haven't warranted that, I, I think it can, it can go a long way. And, and a quote that I you know, just when we we're talking about this, uh, the Richard Branson thing, it jumped out to me. He said, if somebody offers you an amazing opportunity, but you are not sure that you can do it, say yes and learn how to do it later. And he said this, like, it's this positive thing. Everyone's like, wow, you know, have this mindset of abundance and grab the opportunities by the horns. That's wonderful, Richard. Sir Richard, rather. But at the same time, there is a downside of that. When you think of all these, you know, positively upwardly aspirational people, there's also the delusional people, uh, whether it's, you know, Elizabeth Holmes at Theranos, whether it's, you know, Billy McFarlane for the Fire Festival. There is this degree of like, yeah, no, I'm just going to believe in my vision even though it's wildly incorrect uh, and that my bravado, you know, I'm going to speak it into existence. Culture rewards this kind of fake it till you make it mentality, right? Like that's celebrated almost. And maybe it's not celebrated like at face value, but it's, you know, especially on the West coast in or a Silicon Valley, for example, or, or, or other, or other, even other industries, this idea of like, they're not buying the product, they're buying you. Like it's, you know, confidence is so highly prized and confidence is such, is kind of this misindicator of like, value and competency it's what we're talking about but you know so many so many people would rather pretend and 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 then that's kind of 
continuously rewarded. Oh, if I just yeah. pretend to be confident, if I like manufacture confidence, then I'm going to be rewarded for that. So people then pretend to be smart versus gathering skills and knowledge. And, and then they kind of, you know, they would rather do that than risk losing, asking a dumb question or, yeah. or looking inadequate or losing face. So even smart people can be victim to this, to this effect. Like we said, everybody, but to me, that's huge. I think that's a, a big thing. Like, you know, many individuals mistakenly believe that their experience and skills in one particular area transfer to another too. Like, oh, because I'm articulate, because I'm confident, or I'm a good people person means I can kind of kind of grease the rest of this here. And like you said, we're rewarded for that. We're rewarded. Investors reward us for that. Employers reward us for that. I saw a meme yesterday, Chaz. It was like, it was on LinkedIn. It was like when somebody clearly has lied on a resume and it was like this woman who starts dancing and then they realize like, oh, like everybody like starts to focus on her, like her attention. And it's clearly, she clearly can't dance and she just kind of makes it up and wings it as she goes along. But it was just kind of funny. Like, yeah, like pretty soon, like what people realize at some point that comes home to roost, whether it's a fire festival, whether it's investors or like Theranos, it's Bernie Madoff. Yeah, yeah. At some point, the truth becomes self-evident. So yeah. you might as well embrace the truth up front versus on the back end because it hurts on the back end. Everybody knows that. Everybody sees that. It's another good little transition into number three, which is, a, a, I guess, a theory that underpins the study, which they call the, the double burden. Yeah. And it's sort of a little bit of a chicken in the egg scenario. It's like without expertise, it's hard to perform well. And then it's hard to know you're not performing well unless you have expertise. And that, um, you know, it's also hard to know, sorry, that this double curse of being unskilled and underwear makes yeah. you less competent, makes the less competent overestimate their competency, knowledge, skills, talents. In this case, you know, the, the, essentially that the, the brass tacks of it is you don't know what you don't know. So how can you not know what you don't know if you don't know? You know what I mean? Like- I guess Donald Rumsfeld was right. The known unknown or whatever it is. The unknown unknowns and the known yeah. unknowns and the unknown and the known knowns. <laughs> right? That is the the chicken or the egg thing. I think what I'm kind of fascinated or curious about is okay, like what's the conscious moment that we can break out of that kind of meta cycle, right? Like what's the step and maybe we'll get this we'll hit this on the back end but like what's that step that you can break this double burden right like this is a feedback loop obviously how do we how can we kind of break out of that and, and have a conscious moment and say oh maybe i'm not what i think i am yeah i mean i, I also think like not to get remotely preachy at all but like preach it brother no <laughs> what's wrong with humility right like i, I think for the longest know, time, right? there is this sort of perception of you don't want to show any type of weakness or whatever. But, like, the word ignorance, it shouldn't have the negative connotations that it does. Like, if you said, hey, Chaz, what do you think about the Bolshoi Ballet? What do you think about ancient Hungarian cabinet making? I'm like, I, I know, like, <laughs> nothing. Now, now, does that make me... Does that make me a moron? It's like, no, I, I just have a no. big gap in my, well, I am a moron, <laughs> but it, it just means I have no knowledge about that subject matter. So whether like this idea of when people go, oh no, you got to like 
redo your basement. I'm like, well, how many basements have you done? Right. Oh, no. yeah, you can figure it out. Sure. But like, there's some Dunning-Kruger go- going into that. And sure, we can mm. figure it out. But Or you can just pony up the cash for a professional, right? So I, I think there's got to be, we've got to be, um, as a culture, I think we could be better with acknowledging our own knowledge gaps and right. not being hung out to dry as a result. I mean, you know, look, like, for example, John Kerry, like yeah. his flip-flop, I mean, that was used against him because he, you know, changed right. his mind. But in hindsight, I mean, as new information comes available, as we grow and learn, I mean, we should change our If we're not changing our minds, there's something seriously wrong with us. I totally right, agree. About certain things. I totally so, agree. Um, I think there's also a, I think there's power in saying, I don't know. I think there's credibility in that if you say it well. A lot of credibility. There's a lot of credibility with the right audience. I also think, and this is a watch out, there are people who have mastered the veneer of humility who clearly are not humble but have figured out the vocabulary and the nuance and the posturing of humility watch out for them because they've they're even (laughs) more dangerous (laughs) honestly yeah if you ask me so and that extends to even empathetic language who who have mastered the the empathetic language who have mastered the listening language there's some very very smart people who who think they still know everything, who have just mastered these few little things, right? These few little things about, oh, if I just say this, or if I just repeat something back, or if I just pretend to uh, put myself in that situation for a sec, beware of those. I'm just saying, I'm just calling them out. Beware of, of people of the fake humility. It's, it's a good call out. So number four, I'm calling Let's this the illusion of competence. And yeah, I heard I heard a stat or a quote a, a year or two ago, and someone said, "Oh, does like when you think about it, like people think, oh, I've been in my career for for many years, and and I think it was some of the study out of like the idea of practice versus deliberate practice. Like if you if you're just doing something, you, you go to the golf, you know, the, the driving range, and you just tee off. Yeah, yeah." And you just hit, you go, well, if I hit a thousand balls, I'm going to be Tiger Woods. It's like, not if you hit a thousand balls the wrong way. And you're right. actually, you, you might be getting worse because you're reinforcing right. bad behaviors. And yeah. someone, and I, that, that detonated in my brain. There was a book years ago called Jeff Colvin, and he called this idea, uh, the book's called Talented is, Talent is Overrated. And he talks about that. It has to be deliberate practice versus just random practice. And yep. the quote I heard, relatively recently was, um, do you have 30 years of experience or do you have one year of experience 30 times? And I was like, it blew my mind because I'm like, I've worked with so many, and you know, so many people in my career, I'm like, oh, no one's told them what to do. Like they're unfortunate that they haven't worked with good people that have like given them good instruction, that they haven't internalized what good is. They just- you know what I mean, and or, it, or they, yeah, or or they don't evolve, and they don't, they, they don't they evolve, don't or, or they just, yeah. have, or they just have a wrong-headed take on what is good versus bad, and right. so yeah. that elude, you know, in many it can be any field, right? Probably some it's easier to get away with than others, uh, but this illusion of competence, I think, 
uh, you know, perpetuates the Dunning-Kruger effect in a way that sort of goes unnoticed. Yeah, that's the one year, one year of, of practice 30 times. You know, I had this weird epiphany, which is going to, this is going to really be weird, Chaz. Got my popcorn ready here. I've, okay, I've, you know, I've peed in a toilet most of my life. Wow. Okay. With pretty good accuracy. We really right? went sideways on this, yeah. You think you think <laughs> with the amount of experience, daily experience, that I've peed in a toilet, that you've peed in a toilet, that we'd never miss. But yet, we still miss. I still miss every once in a while. Yeah, speak for yourself, my friend. Oh, shoot. <laughs> well, I, then I then it's just me. But I, I had this epiphany. I was like, oh, just because I've peed a lot of times in a toilet doesn't mean I'm going to actually be any better at peeing in a toilet. I might get a little better. I may be a little better than I was at six years old. But not, I'm a little bit better, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to miss. And that that brings me back to the humble part. I know that's weird, but that that's my metaphor and I'm sticking to it. But no, the another aspect of this, why I think it's kind of been set fire uh is i think social media honestly social media this is my theory this is just my theory that i think that helps people kind of craft their own image and they yeah, start to yeah. live in that image right they start to live in this kind of reinforced illusion of themselves so i see it on linkedin all the time i see it on facebook this idea that like oh you're very competent in talking and opening your mouth and sounding knowledgeable, therefore I'm knowledgeable because other people think I'm knowledgeable based on this this tightly controlled, crafted thing that I put out all the time. And so it just reinforces not only yourself, but the potential that other people, you get a lot of likes. It, okay, that means I know what I'm talking about, or that means I'm smart or whatever. And so I think because of this, like people struggle with actual realistic views when those are put to the test or when the rubber hits the road with some of that stuff i've seen people who are absolutely incredible on social media and then when i work with them i'm like hello what's going on yeah, here like yeah. the discrepancy is almost it's cavernous it, so jarring yeah i yeah. think there's a social media component to this i don't know what are your thoughts on that what are your thoughts on that theory yeah I, like just as you were talking, then I was thinking of a range of different scenarios of, of people that I've seen on LinkedIn, some that I, I know personally, some that I don't. And it's just this cultivation of, of social proof, but without any meaningful checks and balances. And, right. and some people, like, it's just, you know, because they're, they're prolific. And I think some people mistake being prolific for being capable <laughs> or knowledgeable. Right. And, and yeah. just you, you're talking to the peanut gallery uh, or preaching the choir in this case of people like reinforcing this sort of rah-rah, you know, positive crap. And it's like, oh, wow, you just, you did speak it into existence. Like there actually is a payoff to being this much of a blowhard mediocrity. So <laughs> just, I'll tell you what I really think later. I'm kidding. No, but I, I totally agree. And I think mm -hmm. it has become, social media is that, has become that vehicle for that. So I think we, we should be suspect of people who proclaim, especially in this era of, you know, declining credentialism, people that claim guruhood or being an expert or being a ninja mm -hmm. of some description, mm -hmm. we should be hyper cognizant and, and perhaps suspicious of their motives. I mean, I'm all about iterating in public. I love that idea. We talked about that on other podcasts. Yeah. But I don't think we're not, we're not talking about that and making a difference. We're not, we're not claiming to be experts off the bat when we've never swung the bat before. 
So yeah. anyway, um, so, all right. So we got the number, number five. five. Um, yeah. Faster world, hasty decisions. Do you want to talk about that? So this is I kind of gleaned this from all the readings I had. I said, you know, in the faster world, we are we are expected to make a lot of quality decisions, right? And so what we end up doing is we kind of have mental shortcuts and um, those mental shortcuts allow us to, you know, make decisions really quickly. We may, we make it off very based off very limited information. So our tendency is to seek out patterns. This is out of psychology today. This isn't my moronic brain saying this, but our tendency is to seek out patterns where they, where maybe none exist. So it's clear we're bombarded by more information than ever. So, you know, anything we can say or do, especially now kind of have like a lot of consequence. So to reduce kind of this mental effort to make decisions, we're kind of lauded by making kind of quick, maybe oversimplified decisions, these kind of quick fix, an- quick fix answers, instead of really taking things and acknowledging aspects that we don't know, things that we need to still need to process. And kind of all that nuance and thoughtfulness is kind of thrown out the window. And we're more or less, people are lauded for kind of, quote, executive decisions that are made quick. You know, I remember Jeff Bezos said this, and I don't like to quote him a lot, but this really resonated with me. He's like, I'm not paid to make a thousand decisions. I'm paid to make like a few quality decisions. And I think that's like, that is so against the grain of what we're told is like, make, just, just decide, 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 decide fast, decide quick, fast means valuable. And I think this kind of moves against that. So that's why I think faster world, hasty decisions, we're kind of rewarded for making decisions based on nothing. Yeah. I think as a, in order to be a functioning human in society, I mean, unfortunately you do have to, like a lot of decisions that you make are, are leaps of faith. You go, right. well, I, I'm not going to know this definitively, right? So I'm just going to have to take the plunge. And, and I think, you know, if we didn't let go of full control and full certainty, we'd be totally apoplectic, right? So I, I think it's the nature of being a functioning human in the world today. But I also think it doesn't mean we should be cavalier in our own or, or just generally reckless around our own ignorance. Like, right. let, let's not comment upon things. That we have no business commenting upon, like if we got a, like if we got a hot take, like like you know, um, uh, actually not to medicalize this about some of the controversy in the NBA, but I'll bring it up. Like some of the guys have said, you know, I'm doing my own research, and and one of the around the vaccine, and and one of the commentators uh, said, well, are you in a lab? Uh, like, what, what what are you doing? <laughs> like, are you, are you do you, what qualifies you as as an NBA player? Like, you know, to actually way into this and, and i get it you know people do their own thing but it was a good point it's like what what are you going to know better than some of the world experts on, on this right like are there medical journals that you're looking into that you could be like you know gleaning information from so i just think it's like we are we're, we're forced to make a lot of decisions and a lot of them are going to be imperfect we've got to be okay with that but at the same time we shouldn't we shouldn't uh, mistake our own ignorance for capability a lot of the time. That's well put, sir. Yes. No worries. Well, let's wrap this up. We've got the five Recap reasons. Recap them. Yeah. Number one, toxic positivity. The belief in being uniformly positive despite a dire situation can be toxic, funnily enough. 
Number two, the upside of delusion, there actually is a benefit sometimes of being delusional around your own abilities. uh, Number three, the double burden. Without expertise, it's hard to perform well. It's hard to know you're not performing well unless you have this expertise, according to David Dunning. Number four, the illusion of competence. Just because you've been doing something for a while doesn't mean you're remotely capable at it. You might have just posted on the coattails of your colleagues or friends or whomever else. And the number five, this is a fast world, a very fast world becoming so. We have to make hasty decisions. We're not going to have all the information. We're not going to be an expert around all the fields of endeavor and decisions that we have to make. So we have to roll with the punches in a highly imperfect way. And mm-hmm. they are the five reasons why the Dunning-Kruger has been popping now and slightly earlier and will continue to do so. Pop and boom. Yeah, I want to say one other thing before we close. Um, Talk to me. Yeah, there is uh, some, starting to be some criticism of the Dunning Kruger effect. Uh, yeah, a, a couple of papers and p- this article written uh, by in the McGill University Office for Science and Society by a gentleman by the name of Jonathan Jarry. Uh, he wrote an article recently, uh, something to the tune of the the Dunning Kruger may not exist. And he said, um, basically, the the measurement of self assessment is to a large degree unreliable unlike other medical conditions i have this particular disease i have this particular you know blood type whatever it is people critiquing their own abilities around something it it can you know fluctuate wildly based on the person also he he closed it off with um, the effect can be seen in random computer generated data so it may be a real flaw in our thinking and may not really exist Mm. so that's Hmm. some of the take on on um the experts take on the Dunning-Kruger. I'm not sure if that is going to continue at all, but at the same time, I think the fact that people are critiquing it and trying to poke holes in it, I think shows its, its resonance. It's, it's been striking a chord in culture for a while now. Oh, that's interesting. My, my final thought was people may ask, how can I avoid this Dunning-Kruger effect, right? Like what... Okay, I may have it, I may not. Who knows, right? It's kind of a, it's kind of a meta question, right? So I found this psychology today, which I know is pop psychology, but I'm just going to read this because I think it was actually really helpful for me. So to avoid falling prey to the Dunning-Kruger effect, people can honestly and routinely question their knowledge base. This is an active decision, I'll say, and the conclusions that they draw rather than blindly accepting them. As David Dunning said himself, as he proposes, people can be their own devil's advocate. That's healthy. By challenging themselves to prove how they might possibly be wrong. I think there is a um, a very deep divine wisdom in always taking self inventory like that. Um, he goes on to say, they go on to say, individuals can also escape the trap by seeking others' expertise, can help them cover their own blind spots. So basically, like having having trusted confidants who are going to shoot you straight, right? Uh, such as turning to a colleague or a friend for advice or constructive criticism. Um, continually to study a specific subject will also bring one's capacity into clearer focus. So then the next question is. Do I have the Dunger-Kruger effect? Most likely, everybody does. But have you ever heard a similar criticisms from different people in your life or ignored or discounted them? You may have experienced this then. Take a look at uh, different areas of your life if you feel uh, where you feel 100% confident. Acknowledge the possibility that you might not always be right and you might need to acquire knowledge to practice more. So I think it's that conscious 
change in in consciousness <laughs> that sounds weird but like oh let me just question this for a second maybe i'm not as good as i think maybe i don't have all the information and maybe there's other perspectives that are consider other components consider other aspects that i'm not considering i think that's a that's a muscle that is not natural to our human behavior but is a good one that's my final thought i or think I should, it's i should say psychology today's thought <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's a great one. Um, just as you were talking then, I was reminded, Sam Hinkey, who was the GM yeah. of the Philadelphia 76ers, who started the well-known, quote-unquote, the process, essentially mm -hmm. tanking for draft picks. And he wrote, it was actually a tour de force. He wrote a 13-page resignation letter. Uh, and it was, it's legitimately, wow. it's legitimately glorious, right? He's like, he's clearly a very heady sort of intellectual guy. And he talks about his philosophy and what he tried to bring to the franchise. Like, it's not remotely a tirade, but he quotes every, like, physicist to Elon Musk to, Whoa. you name it, right? It's, it's good stuff. It's very highbrow. But in it, I remember reading this and he quoted Elon Musk and he said, uh, Elon Musk describes his everyday stance as, you should take the approach that you're wrong and your goal is to be less wrong. And that's I'm like, good. wow, that, that's, for me, that's a good thought. Because when people ask me something a lot of the time, I, I'm, I, I just don't know. Most of the time, I'm like, I, I'd, I'd rather just punt, right, if I have no clue. And, you know, and if I, if I feel like I have a few things to say on the matter, I'll, I'll say, well, this is what I think. I could be wrong, but who knows, right? But I, I just love that, that spirit of skepticism. Um, this is a guy, you know, for all his faults, you know, criticism. I mean, he, he is going after big swings and, and he can't, like, he's dealing with technology and uh, invention and discovery and, and, you know, strong opinions from charismatic people can derail some of his projects, right? So mm -hmm. he has to deal in facts. And I think that was uh, pretty inspiring to me, at least. But uh, before we go, I've got one other thought to ask you, Britt. Like, because, you know, Dunning-Kruger, like, it's not like someone has a condition, like, like that, you know, people can have it. But we, I think we can be more Dunning-Kruger around certain things than others. Mm -hmm. But would you say Dunning-Kruger affects you in some ways more than others, if you think it affects yeah. you at all? I have to think about that. I definitely think it affects me. And I'm trying to figure out areas where I think I'm speaking beyond my capabilities i mean i would say probably in terms of like my work how i can you know how how certain kind of unorthodox ideas can get executed executed as in made um, yeah. created i think i probably can have a lot of conjecture that i insert as confidence you know one of the things that i have a problem with that i've that i've had that people have criticized me about is i speak in absolutions i speak in like this is the facts when it's really actually just my opinion yeah. and it's a hab it's a bad habit and I need to do better at that. But I, I think when I think about things, I speak my opinion as if they're facts and that's not always true. And I think that is a, that is a symptom of a uh, Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah, no doubt. Yourself? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm, I'm one of those people, you know, I'm a reasonably, harsh self-critic of myself uh so i i you know i, I try not to get too big for my boots or, or, or think i'm better than i am and you know or, or know more than i am in a range of different fields but 
I, I will say it deeply affects me in one discipline. And, and I think, yeah. I, I truly think, now I could be wrong, I can't back this up, but I would say I'm top five, not percent. I would say I'm top five in the world at identifying whether a man is wearing a toupee or not. Now, I, I support that. As a friend and as a colleague, I think you are in the top five. Well, I mean, again, I could be wrong. And you know what? There's another, there's another situation that I'm actually getting a lot of crap at work for recently. Uh, I was out, like, you know, hiking in Yosemite. You know, whenever, uh, did I bring this up with you? I might have. No. And I was saying, oh, what happened? You know, if you see a bear, you know, they, they talk about the brown and black bear. And mm-hmm. they go, oh, yeah, you toast, you toast. Like, if you see a bear, I'm like, yeah, sure, you toast. I, I get it. But isn't there a degree of, like, the survival mechanism kicks in where, I mean, you, you, say you see a grizzly and he's coming for you, you're just going to lie on the ground and say, here's, a, here's my jugular. Or are you going to try, you know, does the survival instinct kick in and you, you juke and you throw rocks and you're trying to escape? Look, I'm, I'm just saying, yeah, the bear would win at the end of the day. I, the, part of me is like, I, I think I could do better than most people than in escaping from a bear. So that is totally done in Kruger. I know I couldn't. Ah. But I, there's, there's some, it, it's like it, there's an itch I have to scratch about like my escapability as it relates to grizzlies. How's your roundhouse kick? That's my question. Then. I don't know. I, 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 guile. I think I've, I've got to lean on guile. I've got to mm. lean on the unexpected, some eye gouges, yeah. some change of direction, you know, flicking yeah. sand, like making loud noise, singing chumba wamba. I've just got to, <laughs> I've, got, I've got to pull out all the tricks in my arsenal because, uh, I mean, look, it's life and death in that point. I, I could see that. I could see you being above average in, you know, if you went toe to toe. Uh, with a bear, whether it's black or brown or grizzly, I, I would give yeah. you above normal marks. Theoretically, yeah. I hope I, I hope I never have to see that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think you know I, I would put you a couple percentages higher. I mean, I think you're you're a strategist, so that that full strategy would kick in. You know, you know what you're against. You know what you're up against. You potentially could identify the weaknesses. I think you know as a strategist, you probably have a little bit of a, an advantage, and you know you're a pretty sprite. You know, pretty spry chicken. Still, I've I've seen your running numbers. You've sent me those, <laughs> so I'm I'm yeah. I'm putting you above average for sure. We'll see. Maybe I got to work on my forty time. Uh, I think I think Rod Burgundy could Ron Burgundy yeah. rather. Uh, he could benefit from. Um, I think he definitely has the Dunning Kruger effect. Yeah, I could. No, no doubt about saint. it. Basically, <laughs> that whole that whole news team. Oh yeah, Brian Fantana. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's all I got, sir. It's been a fun one. Yeah, it's been a good one. You are listening to the Furious Curious podcast, hosted and produced by me, Britton Rice, and my esteemed, highly self-aware, above average <laughs> against a bear, colleague, Charlie Uh-oh. Quark here, or from San Francisco, California. Thank you, Britton. Uh, and make sure you follow us on the underscore furious underscore curious. We'd love suggestions for what to do next. And yes, let's get that weigh out. in on where you think... The Dunning-Kruger effect might affect you. That is right. And you, that reminds me, I'm saying this, so I do it to everybody. I'm going to, we're going to do a post that says, what should we do next? We want to see where everybody, we want to get this, uh, this hive mind going, right? Good call. Sounds yeah. Right. Until next time, stay curious. Out. <laughs>